Welcome to the Out Loud Conversations with My Dog and Walls podcast. This is a podcast where we discuss everyday conversations that pop out of the air or things we can't or don't want to discuss with others. Sometimes we just want to give our opinions on various subject matters without a response or just have informal conversation on things that we come across, more or less talking out loud. This is a way of getting some things off your chest instead of talking to the walls or getting a side eye from your dog because you are bothering them with things that they could care less about. On this episode of Out Loud Conversations with My Dog and Walls, we'll talk about um, a Instagram video that I recently saw um, of a lady that um, she said she had a conversation with her grandmother and she asked her why she gave certain attention to some grandkids, but not hers. And her grandmother said it's because she had her head on straight and that um, she didn't need her attention as much as the other grandkids or kids. And then she said that she had a similar situation uh, conversation with her mother. And her mother also said the same thing, that she, you know, had her head on straight and that, you know, she could lay her head down at night and not have to worry about her and that she was strong, whereas the others were not. Um, she said, wow, she may be strong and independent and have her head on straight. Strong kids and grandkids need love too. And she stated that this is why she isolates um, and finds so much comfort in being alone. And this is where um, she found her love. So in listening to that, I start to reflect on myself. You know, as we have these conversations, you know, with these different um, episodes, normally I do episodes with my sister, but this one I felt that I had to do alone because I too had a conversation with my mother and I asked her the same thing. And she basically said to me is that I was strong and that I didn't need her as much as some of my other siblings may have needed her. And then in listening to this young lady's story, I found that I was not alone and I was not weird in the way that I go about my life and my interactions with my family because I too find love and great solace in my isolation. Um, there are six siblings and out of those six siblings over the years, I had talked to none and including my parents. And it did not bother me because I always felt like I was the, and still am, 
the black sheep of the family and um, that I was not a part of the family because every all the interactions that were family-wise, you can find that I'm not included in any of those. And I'm okay with that. Um, I have, out of all my siblings, there are different sets that talk to each other. But there are ones that have a relationship with all. And that's mostly my younger brother and my younger sister. They have, they talk to each and every sibling. They have a relationship with each and every sibling, but not me. I had gone years without talking to anybody in my family. And that was because of that situation where when a parent does that, although they think that they are, they are doing a good thing, you are actually causing strife between that one child that you feel is strong and the other children that you feel like you need to have your hands on. Because now it is looked at as favoritism. And so that is the way I looked at that. I looked at that, looked at it as favoritism in my siblings, which caused me to not have a relationship with them at all. And in that, I swore, first off, I didn't want to have any kids. But when I did have a child, that I would never have any more children because I didn't want to um, show favoritism within those children. And so that is why I never had any more kids. Although I attempted to have a child with my ex-husband, always in my head, I always said that, you know, I never wanted to have any kids because I always mimicked to a certain extent of how my mom raised us. And so um, by me feeling left out, I had resentment towards my siblings and towards my mother. So to not just my mother, my parents as a whole, I have resemblance for everybody. So for me, it wasn't until my younger sister came back to Texas and she does not accept no. If y'all listen to our conversations, my baby sister does not accept no. And she's going to force her will wherever she can and make you deal with her. Now, there are certain situations, certain times where even though now that, you know, I speak to her more than I speak to any of my siblings, I still pull away because I feel that at some point she gets too close and I don't want anybody close to me. I even do that with my own child that I just don't, it's easy for me to detach. I can detach like nobody's business. I don't have to talk to you. I don't have to see you. And I can do that for years because I have create, created my own world around me due to the way that 
I grew up. And it even to when I was a, a teenage uh, parent and I got pregnant with my son at the age of 16. And as I look on it now, I distanced myself even then because there were favoritisms within that. I had an older sister that had a baby at a young age. And I looked at how my mom doted on her, providing her with everything that she needed and things like that. But when I got pregnant, it was total opposite. But And I was to fend for myself. And I did that because when I got pregnant, I had said that it was my mistake. I did it. I take responsibility for it. Everything that happens going forward is on me. So that is the way I operated in that space because I already knew that I couldn't depend on anybody to have my back. So when I got pregnant at 16, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I made a plan at the age of 16 when I got pregnant, everything that I was going to do. And I did it. But um, I say all this to say that parents, yes, you may have a strong child. Be very careful how you handle that child. Because although we are strong and we, you know, don't depend on you for a lot of things, we need that love. The same that you're giving to the other siblings, we need the same thing. Because we grow up thinking that we aren't good enough and we're always trying to prove to our to everybody around us and the world that we are enough or that we're going to show you that you missed out on the best thing that you could have had by pushing us to the side because we feel pushed to the side and so as you get older and want to have a relationship with that child, it's very difficult for us because now you want to talk to us, spend time with us and, you know, want to um, be a part of our lives. When, when we needed you during that very important part of our lives, you weren't there. And so now we have gone on in our life where we have this chip on our shoulder because I had a chip on my shoulder and I still do. I still have that chip on my shoulder where I feel that I have to prove to you that I am better than my siblings. And I, and I matter in this world and what you missed out on. So for me, I have this mantra that I always say that I can show you better than I could tell you. And I feel that the world is against me. Although I'm I'm as old as I am, I'm 53, I still feel that the world is against me and I have a point to prove. And I'm going to prove that point by any means necessary. And although in sometimes in trying to prove that point, 
is mentally and physically exhausted. But it's a point that I have to prove because of the way that I grew up. And so every day that I get up, you know, I say my prayer and then I go, whose time is it now? Who is going to fuck with me today? Because if you're going to fuck with me today, you're going to get it. And I've already made a plan of how I'm going to get you. And unfortunately, that is the way some of us, not all of us move that way. But I move that way. I am going to, I move with the, the thing of somebody is coming for me and I'm going to get you. And it, it is not even that. But that is the way that I see the world. And no amount of therapy that I have gone to has been able to change that mindset. I, I don't show a lot of emotion because emotion for me is weakness. And if I do show you emotion, that means that my anger has gotten the best of me or that I'm in a situation that I have no control of. So if I show emotion, those are the two reasons why. And my emotion lately has been A, that I don't have any control of, or that I see something that that person was in the same situation that I am in, and I feel their pain. And I feel their emotion. And also, being in these situations, growing up in the situation that I have grown in, causes you to be very manipulative. Because you are trying to control a situation, especially when you're trying to control a situation that you have no control of, you will manipulate yourself through that to gain control. And so some people may call that narcissistic. I do not. I just called it as adjusting for a person that tries to adjust to something and never has been put in that situation. And now you're trying to move the situation that is in your comfort zone. Because people that show a lot of emotion, depending on the state that I'm in, I can look at you and not have a feeling in the world, knowing that you are absolutely destroyed. And I will look at you as being weak. Because I didn't, I look at it as I did not have the luxury of being emotionally in that situation and somebody coming and comforting me. I never showed emotion. So I never showed emotion. And then I think another reason in my relationship that it, it didn't work is I did not display public affection. Public affection, you will not get that out of me. That is something that I will not do with anybody outside of like my grandson or, you know, 
one of my family members, if I hug them or whatever. If I'm in a relationship with you, I will not hold hands with you in public. I will not kiss you in public. I may hug you in public to say goodbye, but if you hold on too long, it's like, mm -mm, people are watching. I can't show that part. I have to be strong at all times, which is not so much exhausting, but it's like a person feels like, okay, you can show me all the affection behind closed doors, but you can't show me this in public. So you really don't care for me at all. And it's not that. It's just that I need to be seen a certain way. And softness is not one of those ways that I need to be seen because to me, that means that somebody can try to take advantage of that. They'll, they'll use that one little, one little moment to try to come in and, and, and take advantage. And so I cannot have that happen at all. So that is just a part of um, what I deal with growing up in that situation. And that conversation that I, I had with my mom, you know, I, and I don't know what made me ask her that question. Or how we got on that conversation. It probably has something to do with um, the way that I don't deal with, with my family as much. And when I do deal with my family, it's like it's on my terms. And then when I feel like I'm exhausted or whatever, I can go months without um, talking. And people have asked me, even my mom asked me, how can, how is it that I can do that? And I go, I detach myself. I detach myself from the situation of that's my family. I just looked at them as regular people and not as my family. And it's, it helps me to not have to feel like I have to have them around me or have to be around them because for majority of my life, I was always on the outside. So it's nothing for me. And so um, my mom always tells me that I want you to have a better relationship or I wish you had a better relationship with your siblings. And she doesn't understand how I can go without talking to my son that I don't need to to talk to him or or anything like that and I I just tell her that it's just the way that I'm built. I don't have to talk to to him all the time. Even though I birthed him, I don't have to talk to him all the time cuz in my head I have said that I have had the best years of my life with my son when he was younger. As he at once he got to a certain age, he was on his own and he created his own life. And I did not have to be a part of that. Because I made the best 
of the time that I had with him at the point that he wanted to, to be around me. Maybe girls are different, that they need their moms all the time. Boys, I feel, um, don't need their moms all the time. I did my part, and this is the way I feel. I did my part for my son as much as a mother can do in my head, I think that. Now it's his father's turn to do that because he and my, uh, I didn't marry his father. And his father wasn't mainly in his life when he was younger because I joined the military. He came with me and we went everywhere in our, the duty stations I went to. Even once I got divorced, my ex-husband was still in the military. And we, you know, went where we went. And his father stayed in Texas. But now that my son is older, he has a relationship with his father. So... You know, it's his father's turn. That is the way I look at it. But my son always tells me that he needs um, he needs me to, I look at it as justifying things in his life. It needs me for approval. But you don't need me for approval. Because certain situations that you have made in your life, you didn't ask me. You did it on your own, which is what you're supposed to do because I have put in you the ability to make decisions and to learn what's right and wrong. Now you're at a point in your life where you make that those choices. So you don't need me. This is how I feel. You don't need me to validate anything in your life. You validate the things in your life. You have to move forward in that. And my son has a problem with that. But that's just the way that I'm built. I love my child. But at some point, children have to make their decisions for themselves. And whatever decisions that they make, they make, they have to deal with those consequences. Now, even if I may not talk to my child for a while, and I can't go a while without talking to him. If I find out that he is in a situation that he needs my help then I will be there. But for the most part, I am not. And so my mom, and I don't think my son can understand that either. He always tells me that um, money doesn't matter and this doesn't matter and that doesn't matter. But my money helps you. So money does matter. So um, it's, I don't know if it's as difficult for my mom to understand where I'm coming from. She has other words. And that's another reason why I can detach because the words get deadly sometimes, but I have a mouth as well. But um, I just am like that. And I'm pretty sure this young lady um, who has a video um, that's on Instagram that sparked this conversation. In in her her world, she has created a, her own world to, as well. Now our worlds may not mimic each other in how we in the world that we have created outside of our own family, but I guarantee you, we have a lot of things common 
than not coming. And um, and the reason why that is, is because of the world that we had to create around ourselves and to prove to people that we are, are enough and to show you what you missed out on. And um, it's kind of too late to go back and, you know, fix the wrong. It's too late to go back and fix the wrong. And we don't let you in enough to make it right. At least I know I don't bring you in enough to make it right. Because always in the back of my head, I'm going, there is an uh, ulterior motive to what you are doing. And so I let you in to a certain point and then you can't get past that. And in doing that, I don't have a lot of friends. I have associates, but I don't have a lot of friends. I can count on one hand and a couple fingers, and I still have a couple of fingers blank on that one hand as to how many friends I have. And so in saying a friend, I will still find something wrong in that relationship and you'll still only go to a certain point. You'll never get all the way in. And so like Tara, she always tells me that I'm her best friend. And I go, I can't be your best friend because I'm your sister. But I always tell her, blood is thicker than being a friend. But how can I say that blood is thicker when I can go without talking to my blood? For as long as I do. And that's something that I just thought about. Just in having this conversation. And how can I tell her. That blood is thicker. When I can go without talking to my blood. As long as I can. Because like I said before. I can go years. And so. In that. I just say. She's my sister. I cannot look at my sister as my best friend because I really don't have one. And um, that's another thing for me. What is a best friend? Because if you say that you have a best friend, then that means that you would never do, y'all would never do wrong to each other. Y'all would never talk bad about each other. Y'all would be there through thick and thin and and thick and thin and thin and thick. And so what is a best friend? That That is a question of all its own. And how many best friends can you have? Because I know people that have five, six best friends. How is that possible? But that is coming from a person that doesn't have real deep relationships and will never tell anybody their deep darks. I take that back. I did say that to my ex-husband, but then those were used against me. So nobody will ever, ever hear a deep dark secret from me or anything of the sort. Even if I'm just moving around. No, you, you'll never know. 
So what is a best friend? That is something that I'm going to, I'm not going to look into it because I, it really isn't a, a big thing for me. But for those folks that those are big things for them, ask yourself, what is a best friend? And if you have a, and if you have a best friend, how many people can be your best friends? And what are, what are those things that you trust your best friend with? And if you have multiple best friends, do you tell all of your best friends everything or each person plays a certain role? And if that is the case, then are they truly best friends? Because if you have five best friends and you can only go to them for certain things, are they really your best friend? So that is something to think about too. And also I have grandkids. So my son has four children and is three boys and one girl. I've only been around one. And the rest of them, you know, I I didn't acknowledge them before, but I acknowledge them now. But I have one grandchild that I've been around all his life. And I told him when he was younger, I said, when you turn eight years old, you're not going to want to have anything to do with your grandmother. He turned eight. Then, you know, things changed. But I was okay with that. I knew that that was going to happen because I told him that that was going to happen. So it wasn't something that just, you know, I wasn't aware that was going to come into play. So we fell off for some years without even, you know, having a relationship. Did it bother me? Not at all. Because like I said to y'all, I detach. Even though I love my grandson with everything in my body. It was fine with me. It didn't, it didn't bother me. We talk every now and again, you know, and then we would, we would fall off. Um, so it wasn't until recently that I was like, things are different. Things are changing. Let me reach out and start back with my grandson like we never left off. And so now, you know, we have that relationship again and stuff. And I am making that effort now with the other grandkids, not so much. I've never been in their life. I don't know anything about them. And somebody asked me, how is it that you don't have a relationship with your other grandkids, but you have a relationship with one. And I go, I'm not obligated to have a relationship with them because I didn't lay down and I didn't make them. So I'm not obligated to have a relationship with them. I can do it if I want to. I don't have to. 
And then with the mothers, we don't have a relationship. And so I think I've only met, I've only met two of them. And one is with the grandson that I have a relationship with now. And the other one was, you know, with the relationship that he went through that I was aware of and I met her, but I don't have to. And if you try to force me to do something, that's a whole nother war that you are not going to win. And I'm going to be really nasty because if you try to force me to do something, that's a that's a whole nother another situation with me. The best thing for you to do is let me let me come into let me come into the situation if I want to, if I want to make an effort. And then we'll see how it goes. But if you try to force me into something, not going to work, not going to work in your favor. And I don't care who you are, because. If I have built this world with, by myself without family and now you're trying to come into it and trying to force your will on me, it's not going to turn out good for you. And you'll probably never speak to me for the rest of your life. But that's a chance that you run with me because I start doing these flashback things and then everything from everywhere starts coming up and then I start really getting nasty. So for the most part, um, I, I move very different. And in the conversations that y'all hear with me and Tara, y'all understand that I move very different. And now hopefully you have an understanding of why in those conversations, our conversations are different. And, um, you understand why my responses are the way that they are because although we are siblings, we have a, a different way of growing up in a, and now much more different way of viewing the world because all of my siblings are very social. They are social. They go out. They have plenty of friends. They do all these different things. Not me. If I don't have to, I will not. I will not, not go out to functions. I will not be social with anybody. If you may see us together, you know that she is very outgoing. I sit in the corner because I always tell people that I don't like you and I don't know you. You have to really um, work work on me. With your, with your personality, because I will always find something wrong with you until I can't. And then, you know, you win me over. But for the most part, people say that, oh, she's bougie or she's that. No, it's not that. It's that I'm sitting in the corner because I already don't like you and I don't know you. And I will find something wrong. And if I can overlook what I've found that is wrong, then you good with me. Or... If you come in and I find nothing wrong with you, you are solid. You're solid with me. And so that is why in our conversations, we move different. And I'm not the oldest, but I act the oldest out of all my siblings because I come in with, nah, 
uh, I'm not I'm not doing it. So it doesn't it people don't have a chance to do me wrong because I haven't let you in. So um and people may think that that's just with with folks. I even do that with my dog. My dog, she she is they call them nanny dogs, bully. The best dog ever. She wants to give you nothing but love. But even that bothers me. And then when she wants you to to rub on her and hug on her all the time, that bothers me. Because my previous dog, she learned to not even come around me. She would come around me if she needed to use the bathroom. That was it. If If I tried to get her to sit in a room with me, she would not. If I try to rub her or something like that, she'll let me do it for a little bit and then she leaves. Not this one. This one is not going anywhere. Right now, she's laying on the floor. She is around me constantly. And she wants me to rub her and she follows me. And I fuss at her. She'll go away, but she'll come back. And then if she senses that something is wrong with me, she'll lay on my feet to calm me down. And maybe this is what God said, since you don't allow people to be in your space, I'm going to give you this unwanted dog that your sister put on you. And I really did not like my sister when she did that. And I made her feel bad about this dog every time she the dog did something. But this dog is... uh. This dog is everything to me, but I still have my moments. And some people can say that it's sad that you have more feeling for this dog than you have for human beings. That's not true. I have feelings for human beings, but I just would not show a human being that I have feelings for them the way I would show this dog. This dog can't talk, so she can't tell anybody that how I feel about her. A human being can, and they can pass it on. And then somebody will say, oh, I knew that she had that little bit of weakness in her. So let me go in and exploit that. And that's the way I look at that. And it may not even be true, but that is the way I will look at that. I look at that. So no human being will ever get too close to me where you will be able to say she has feelings. If you see me cry, yeah. You see me cry. That that's nothing. But in two seconds I can turn on you and and show you that that cry meant nothing. So um yes. So in me discovering that video and listening to her, and I listened to it several times, and I listened to it at least once a month or twice a month, and um to know that I'm not alone in those situations. It's a lot of people out there that feel or we're in the situation just like mine. And sometimes, a lot of times we go um, where people don't understand us and why we are the way that we are. But by her putting that video out, and me talking about this, 
now you all can understand um, when you run across somebody that shows a different personality than what you're used to or are very guarded in certain situations, sometimes it's because of this that people are really guarded and people see, oh, your family was great, oh, this, that, that, and this. But sometimes there's a lone wolf within that family that feels a certain way. Yes, people talk about various relationships, uh, put them in this situation or something like that. But sometimes it's just the way we grow up and the way we, we, we grow up in these situations and it carries and it's don't have to always be abusive or this or that. Sometimes it can be that just a parent felt that they didn't have to give you as much as attention as they had to give somebody else. And by them not doing that, this is what you create. And then that child creates a whole different world that is separate of yours and can detach at any given time um, from a parent or siblings and, you know, just move within the world as themselves. But just know there is that chip on their shoulder that says that I'm going to show you better than I could tell you. And in me proving that may hurt me, but that's okay. I can take it. I've taken it all this time. But my goal is to show you what you missed out on and that um, I may talk to you and make you let you seem that everything is okay. But deep down inside, I'm still trying to show you something. So, um, as always, America, um, be mindful of how you move within this planet because there's always somebody watching. And as I always say in closing, schedule yourself a nap. Give your time to regenerate and get yourself back because just those little 15 minutes can make a difference. Until next time. Out Loud Conversations with My Dog and Walls will be a weekly podcast where I discuss various topics and conversations that are intriguing and informative. I will also include guests and get their point of view on the topics and discussions. Listen to the Out Loud Conversation with Dog and Walls podcast on Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts.